0: what's up everyone welcome back to the deer Vane podcast really appreciate you guys hopping on and today i got a pretty cool guest tony burleson from dark timber coffee he's the master roaster and founder of dark timber they are a coffee like roaster I, I i do not know a whole lot about the the inner workings of coffee but like i drink a lot of coffee and i like to support People who support the hunting industry and Dark Timber does 2%, for cons- to, uh, 2% to conservation. Plus they're also hunters themselves. They support hunting. They support all of us. Um, they try to buy all their textiles and all their shirts and everything. They try to do made in the USA. And one of my goals in 2021 is to kind of keep as much money as I can in the U.S. and support as many small and growing businesses as I can. And Dark Timber fits that bill very very well so appreciate you hopping on tony oh thanks man thanks for having me yeah so tell me tell me like tell us a little bit about yourself just for anybody who doesn't know you or dark timber
1: yeah so uh again my name is tony uh the founder of dark timber coffee Um, i am a big time hunter a big time coffee nerd um uh, we're I, I originally uh, am from Washington State, uh, where I grew up, you know, from the day I was born until uh, last year when we moved over to Montana. Um, okay. Yeah, just super big into the outdoors, super big into coffee, and and uh, yeah.
0: No, that's nice. So then, like, what, uh, like, what sparked moving into the coffee realm? Like, have you? Is it something? always done and you've always been like a roaster or yeah i've been doing it for it's it's coming up on 20 years holy cow
1: yeah so i started start? yeah 2002 okay
0: how old yeah, were 2002,
1: you i was 19 okay yeah, yeah. no
0: 2003 yeah was 19 <laughs>
1: 2003
0: and you were just That's like it. you're like man i think i can do this shit myself i'm gonna give this a try
1: no well sort of right um i come from a family of entrepreneurs right and business owners and um you know when i was young i spent my summers in an italian deli twisting sausage and making copa and pepperoni and things and uh you know in the front of the uh, you know the the meat company there was a small italian deli and in that deli there's an espresso machine so in the summers when I would have to go help out, uh, I would constantly be up front messing with the espresso machine, you know? And I was like, I started there when I was like seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, you know? So I, I think I made my first latte when I was like seven, right? Okay. So like 1990, I think it was, somewhere around in there. Um, and then, you know, it's always been, uh, I was always intrigued with coffee, right? Cause it was something exotic, it came from exotic places. Um, you know, you brought it in then you kind of put your own touches on it. And there are so many different ways to, um, to prepare it, right? So you have like espresso, you had drip coffee, you had all these different ways to prepare it. With typically with a food, you don't get that, right? Or, or with something, you yeah. just don't get those different preparation styles. So it's a pretty cool product in general. And then, you know, so I always knew I wanted to explore it more. And when, you know, when I was in my late teens, um, I had a job and I'd saved up all my money and I was going to college or whatever. Um, and I saved enough money to buy an espresso cart. Uh, and then I saved up enough money to buy an espresso machine and the grinder, and everything that goes with it. Uh, and then from there, I was able to find a little location for it. Uh, in, a, in a city called Kent in Washington so it's in western Washington uh, and then from there uh, from that little cart I had opened another cafe soon after that. So like by, Car-
0: a, by a cart you mean just like on wheels you're moving around in the on city? On wheels
1: moving around uh, they're not very popular anymore but they were really popular in the late 80s uh, in oh, the early weird. to mid 90s yeah it's <laughs> kind of how espresso was uh, was prepared a lot of the times you know in in that time frame, right, uh, late 80s, early 90s, you know, growing up in that time, there were espresso carts everywhere. Every grocery store had one out front, right, and it was, it was extremely popular. Um, it wasn't until drive-through stands became popular that the the coffee cart started to die out. Um, sure. But anyways, they weren't cheap, uh, even though they weren't yeah. that, that uh, prevalent anymore. But so from that coffee cart, I had opened a cafe in a, the city called Fremont, which is a, basically it's a neighborhood of downtown Seattle. Um, uh, and then that was called Tony's on the trail. And then I think a year after that, I opened a bigger one, kind of uh, two miles down the road, uh, more towards the center. Uh, and that was a big store. That was a big cafe with a roaster in the middle and, you know, all that stuff. And then, um, you know, I, I, had run that for a while and then a, a bigger company uh, in um, in Seattle had found me and kind of gave me an offer I couldn't refuse and kind of partnered with them uh, and then was their director of coffee master roaster um, for eleven years um, until I started until I started Dark Timber Coffee in two thousand seventeen.
0: Yeah. So then, okay. So then, with that with that partnership that you were involved in, um, were they just like? Hey, do they did they have other stores that they wanted you to run? Or were they just like, hey, we need a it was a
1: very big company. Store. Okay. Yeah. So what I did was, you know, there was two sides to this company, and there was a coffee side, right? Mm-hmm. Uh with a roastery and you know, all this stuff. And I I took over that and I drove that uh into a very prosperous business. Um uh, so pretty much everything within the Dozens of cafes that we had um, yeah. kind of came out of my head, so I had full control over, you know, over the whole over the whole thing. It was kind of my
0: brainchild. That's awesome, man. That's pretty cool. It's kind of yeah. like I'm sure it kind of ate at you a little bit being an entrepreneur that you were. That you're like, ah, I'm doing all this awesome stuff, and I'm doing well. It, else.
1: It, it wasn't like, um, you know, I, I mean, I, you know, I was over, I, you know the board of directors oversaw me. Right. But other than that, then, you know, I really didn't have, um, <laughs> you know, like a boss or something, you know, nice. it, was, yeah, yeah. it was more of a part, it was more of a partnership than, uh, employment. So, okay. um, yeah, so it was, it, it, you know, it fed my entrepreneurial side because whatever I felt like doing, I would do
0: Yeah. You right. Got it. Or wherever I
1: wanted to drive that company, I would drive it. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know after a while with board of directors and investors and all that stuff that's you know that's a side of business that i you know i am a straight shooter right so I, the way i talk and it's it doesn't it just didn't appeal to me after you know 11 12 years you know it's kind of done yeah. with it so um yeah that's i started dark timber coffee and and kind of brought everything that i wanted out of a coffee company together right and we were you know the first coffee uh hunting brand
0: no that's awesome so then i and i imagine like when you bring investors and you bring a board and people are like people aren't buying into the company that you worked for because it was cool and they liked coffee they're buying into it probably for financial reasons so that kind of drive some of the choices that are being made it's not necessarily hey this is going to be cool this is going to be fun this is going to change the industry it's more or less hey yeah i mean you you try to do
1: that as much as you can right you try to innovate and you try to stay on top of your game because the last thing you want to do is be the the guy who's constantly in the in the back of the pack right It just doesn't you know it doesn't work um but you know, when you have a board of uh, directors and investors, they're either um, completely on board with what you're doing or they're going to scrutinize everything that you do.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah.
1: And it's a, it's a balance. A lot of the times if they trust you um, at driving the helm, you know, at the helm, then it's uh, really easy, you know, and that's was my job is very easy um, because of that. But know a lot of times when you're trying to do something you know it takes a lot of money sometimes to do things and yeah you know that's where the you know some you know it gets a little sticky you know Mm -hmm. so yeah
0: oh for sure and i'm sure you did you had some like key wins under your belt to earn that trust right it wasn't just like hey here's our open checkbook go for it you know yeah it's kind of like hey yeah
1: it's a it's a uh you know they're they're on board with you and you have a performance um stellar performance and and um not that everything you turn you touch turns to gold but
0: you know majority of it majority of your decisions are correct good. What yeah good. And how you envision mm. things going works out no right like, cool and also at that point you know if being an entrepreneur it's kind of like having you're like uh how do i want to say it you're you're like getting to play with a, a little bit of other people's money and learn with a little bit less risk then the sense of if you're totally on your own and you fail, like you got nothing left almost like a, well,
1: I mean, you never want to play with somebody's money with, uh, (laughs) with blatant disregard of consequence, Right. right. You have to make a calculated risk and assess, you know, what the risks are, right. And try to mitigate those risks to protect, uh, investment. Uh, and you would do the same thing with yourself. Right? right. So if you, if you have the attitude that, you know, oh, well it's not my money, you know, typically, you know, in very short order, you might find yourself out of a job or, <laughs> or voted out right by the board. You're yeah. Voted out. No.
0: And I, yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. And I, and I definitely said that wrong. <laughs> yeah. I think you not, actually
1: are it's, uh, it's tougher to play. It's tougher to have somebody else's money because you have to, like, you know, you have your gut, right? Your gut yeah. tells you something. And sometimes it's hard to put your gut feeling on paper, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of times if you're dealing with investors, the investor wants to see this stuff on paper, right? So sometimes it's hard to convey that. So in a way, it almost makes it difficult because like, say, you're going to use your own money and like, well, this is going to hit in like quarter four. Right. And you just have a feeling, you know, you're hoping, you know, it goes a certain way. Um, but to try to explain that to somebody else and and get it out of your head, convey it properly to them so it's fully absorbed and they understand it is sometimes a little bit different.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I can see that for, for sure. And, and I guess my, my thought there is essentially, it's almost like, uh, like if you're, if if you're going flat out on your own and you have a couple failures, you might be eating the dust and you might be looking to, for a job to work for someone else. Cause you wasted your money. You thought you thought your gut was right and it was wrong. Right. right. Um, and investors, and it can, this can certainly go both ways, but investors can be a little bit of a safety net for you if they really believe in you. Like, Hey, yeah, we'll give you a shot on this one. If you fail, like, they can keep pumping money into it. Right. right. Till it works. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, like you're saying, I mean, if you think something's going to hit in quarter four, like, you know, a Halloween, some sort of fall blend or something that you guys are putting together and you're like, Hey, this is going to hit. and They're like, I I don't see that happening. Then they might shut you down and you might not have that opportunity. Right. That's kind of yeah, what you're saying. That's kind of it, right? Yeah. You
1: could you could uh you could feel it in your gut, but if it doesn't uh get translated properly, then it's you know it's a it's a dead in the water. Yeah, right. And it might be the most stellar, you know, project, and you know, you just there's just no real way to put it on paper and it would be a big hit, but sometimes it just dies that way. But you know, that's where the trust comes in, right? Sure. So if there's if there's trust, then they're gonna trust you. Right. Until they don't trust you anymore. You give them a reason not to, meaning making poor decisions.
0: Right. And that was, was that part of kind of your vetting process before you even said yes to joining them? Meaning are you you guys going to let me like do this? Are you going to micromanage me every day and be on my, be on my ass? Yeah.
1: I think well, with this, with these guys, you know, they weren't coffee guys. Right okay so these were um you, you know they weren't in that area so when they when i took it over it was like you know like my ship right gotcha. so it wasn't um yeah i didn't you know i didn't have to vet them too much right in, in terms of the coffee right uh, or the coffee industry it was okay. more um who they were as businessmen gotcha right? gotcha uh, so yeah. I hope that answers the
0: question. No, no, it, it does. Cause like, I mean, yeah, if you're making coffee and, and you're bored or the business guys that come to you are all coffee, 30 year coffee snob veterans. And they're like, we just don't want to deal with the day-to-day stuff. We want you to run this. Then they might be yeah. on your neck and they have their own gut feelings and their own thoughts. And they're going to push their ideas. Yeah, on if you. They have their own philosophy
1: in terms of how, you know, they would want to, um, you know, like run things that would, that would have been an issue right? Yeah. But the reason I was there was to do that, right? So it's different.
0: No, that's cool. So you're like almost like master roaster and operations director type of deal? (laughs) Man, everything.
1: (laughs) Cafe design, uh, you know, like cafe workflow, uh, equipment, training programs, head roaster, you know, head buyer. I mean like everything, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: It was a tough job. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. I bet. Yeah, it was yeah, pretty, pretty stressful sometimes. <laughs> Do it. I could only see it, man. Especially if there were shortages somewhere or people, something <clears throat> didn't come in right or something like that. And you're like, crap. Yeah. Like, well, everything. we had
1: the, was it 2009, uh, 2008, 2009 uh, is when, I don't know if you I mean, keep up with the commodities market but uh I do not you know that, know that was probably that. the toughest time to be in the coffee business at that time so um prices yeah sky high or what yeah i mean sky yeah. high like you know there was a lot of times we were selling coffee and not even like making money just to keep our prices in line to where like you know when they came back right so it's yeah. better to like break even keep everybody working, then like, you know, shut everything down because we're not making money. But it was, uh, it was tough, man. I mean, we are I mean, you can research it, but, um, yeah, it was a, a giant shortage. Uh, I think Brazil had cut their, um, you know, or had increased their in, in country consumption. We had a La Roya outbreak, which is a coffee rust. So like all these different things came together and it created coffee, like super expensive, uh, but yeah, so, so whether
0: that's, yeah. I mean, you weathered that and stuck around there for eight more years until yep. 2017. And then you were like, Hey guys, I loved it, but I'm out. Yeah. It was
1: pretty, it, you know, it you get to the point where, um, uh, you've kind of done everything, right. You get to the point where the company has grown to the size it was like internationally. Right. And, you've kind of done everything The, the company hit a baseline and it's just hit its cruising altitude right
0: yeah and there really
1: is no more growth right up or down you're just kind of doing it business as usual right and I'm not that kind of person you know so I get really antsy and I get really just like ah so I have to keep you know I have to keep improving and I have to keep innovating and that's just who I am. Right. Yeah. I can't stand being stagnant. Uh, And, you know, when you take a company up like that and you you ride that ship up with them and and then you hit that, that cruising altitude, you're just kind of there. um, You know, you have, you have to make a decision, right. You're like, am I in it just to be here and this is what it is. Or am I going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to part ways and I'm going to go do something where I can feed that side of me that, that wants to integrate, that wants to keep things fresh and that wants to do something that, you know, that I can build up again.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Like I, I, I've been, I'm in a similar boat. Clearly I don't have my own company yet or anything, but I uh like to think of it as being a builder. Like I like to build, build companies, build markets, build, you know, pipelines, whatever it is. And then once you get to a point where, like you say, uh, like not a whole lot's changing and there isn't like this, this whole new room for building, it's like, well, I'd like to start another project then.
1: Yeah. Well, you want, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's exactly how it went. And I wanted something, you know, because that company, yes, you know, there was a part of me in that company, right? So like everything from the coffee side basically was sort of me and how I viewed coffee and how I wanted to prepare coffee and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But it wasn't something that, uh, you know, I had full control of and full direction of, right. So as much as, you know, like my side of the business, I had control over, I didn't have control of the other side. Right. So it made it hard sometimes. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I just came to the conclusion or, you know, the decision that, you know, you know, I want, like, you know, I'm going to go off and I'm going to start my own coffee company again, like solely by myself. Right. Yeah. So, you know, clearly I have a track record and I've been doing it a long time, um, you know, but I wanted to do something because, you know, I was in the, the, we call it the third wave coffee industry, the specialty coffee industry for so long. Right. And, you know, there's so many great companies out there in that industry. And there's, you know, I mean, there's just so many uh, that I wanted to start something that was entirely unique right and that was its own thing and its own identity and it didn't take from anywhere else right it was its own thing um and i'm the super big hunter you know i have been all my life and um most of my life and and uh i wanted to bring those two things together right so it's like two of my passions so i'm feeding like both sides at once and and you know that's how dark timber came around
0: yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. Merging, merging those two loves into one thing. Yeah. 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 So then, so you fire up dark timber um, mm-hmm. and you're like, Hey, let's do this. I'm going to do it. Um, you know, when you got G4, you got Timberline, you got double barrel Yep, right now. And then you have the gravity packs,
1: gravity packs, Super packs, ascent packs. Uh, and then, you know, we're, ex- we're expanding the line quite a bit this season. Okay. Um, so there's there's gonna be a ton of new products.
0: Awesome. So then, okay, and and how dark timber? Like, explain to me how it works. Like, you go pick the beans and buy them, and then they come back. Yep. I don't. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So like, so like in June, I'm heading to Brazil again. Okay. I'll be buying coffee in Brazil and bringing it back up. Uh, most of the time, like on that trip, you know, I'm buying at at origin. But I've been doing it so long and I know so many producers and so many farms and you know, and so many co-ops that I physically don't need to be on the ground. So they'll send me samples up of like that year's crop, like the fresh crop, and I can cup it, meaning I'm going to grade it and, and taste it and see where it's at and see if it's something that I would want to bring into our lineup uh, of coffees with, that are within our blends or pass on it.
0: That's interesting. So... So essentially, like, I mean, are you getting like five samples or like 20 samples? Hundreds. hundred. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. See, and I and you I know do a lot. Know yeah, a I mean, lot like one,
1: farm, one farm will send us 10, right? Okay. Like 10
0: samples or yeah.
1: co-op, right? Especially if we're looking for a new coffee. Like, so say, uh, you know, our, uh, our Guatemala tenango, if there's, if it's if the farm that we bought from last year the co-op that we bought from it's not producing well or just not copying well uh or the the usage is down something's you know or the the tonnage is down if there's something wrong with it we have to go and source from somewhere else you know we were reaching out to all of our like in our channel uh you know we could reach out to 10 farms and 10 you know that's just one coffee and 10 yeah. farms send us 10 samples 10 chops. And now we've got a hundred samples to go through just from one coffee that we're trying to buy.
0: <laughs> Sounds yeah, like a lot of time, crazy.
1: dude. It's a lot of time. You spent a lot of time on the cupping table. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. So in, in this cupping process, so essentially t- explain to me what it is. I have no idea. I uh,
1: Like in the, like fair layman's terms, it's tasting coffee, right?
0: Okay. But
1: what I'm doing is I'm tasting that coffee and I'm grading it. Like I'm looking at the green first, checking if there's any defects, you know, looking at the screen sizes, looking at the, uni- like how uniform it is, its moisture content, things like that, uh, before it goes into the sample roaster. And then once it hits the sample roaster and roast it comes out, then I'm looking, you know, uh, at dry smells. So we're smelling before it's bro- uh, before it's brewed, so it's ground and then, and then, you know, we're, we're we're smelling it to see if there's any off smells, uh, any phenolic <laughs> stuff going on. And uh, then from there, we're going to add it to, like, basically little soup bowls. Okay. are adding the grounds to the soup bowls, and then you're pouring hot water on top, brew water on top. Uh, and then you're there's a crust that happens, right, because the coffee floats to the surface, yeah. and it's kind of holding all those aromatic smells in. And you're going to take your, your silver-plated spoon – Because silver doesn't impart any flavor, any metal flavor. It's a clean metal. Uh, And you're going to break that surface. You're going to smell as you're breaking it to see if, again, if there's any off-putting smells, uh, things like that in it. And then from there, you're going to kind of scoop out all the grounds. And then you're going to fill your spoons up uh, and then slurp it like soup. And then the reason why you slurp it is so you can aerate it in your mouth um, while you're drinking it. Because then it's like smelling and tasting at the same time right? So it makes those flavors kind of pop. Uh, So while we're doing that, we have what's called our cupping forms. And we're assigning uh, a number, right? One to 10, uh, basically to every single point that we're trying to hit body, you know, uh, sweetness, acidity, things like that, right? Okay. Uh, And try to get an end total number. So we're going to total them all up. And then we're going to get some number and that some numbers either going to be, you know, if it's if it's a coffee we'll take a look at it's 85 points or higher. So typically it's going to be 88 points. 88 points and okay. up. Anything below that we're probably not going to even take another look at. Um but 88 points and higher you're getting into that specialty range, right? Especially the coffee. Yeah. uh it's super high prepared, super good coffee, uh 100% arabica. We only buy 100% arabica beans. Um uh and then from there you know, we'll take our cupping notes, uh, and if if one cups well, then it goes in one pile, if one cups poorly, it goes in another pile, and then we'll go back to that pile, that cup well, and then further go down and and try to find the one that we want to use for our plants.
0: Dang. So, okay, real quick before I forget, you you made it a point to say like 100% Arabica. What is... That makes me think that there's other people who don't use 100% Arabica and what is the benefit of using 100% Arabica? Yeah,
1: Arabica coffee is the only coffee that can be uh, uh, certified as specialty or
0: even mentioned
1: as specialty, right? So there's two different kinds of coffee. There's a Robusta coffee and an Arabica coffee. Arabica is the only one that can be specialty grade. It's the only one that can cup into that 88 points and higher, right? Gotcha. Robusta coffee is like, a lower grade coffee typically so Arabica coffee is grown at about 1200 uh meters above sea level right all the way up so it's very highly grown like high mountain grown coffee which makes it very dense right not a lot of insect damage like broca it's called a boring beetle uh and and, you know mold things like that so you're not going to get those defects in the coffee because they're so dense they have such a complex flavor profile right so there's better coffees all the way around now robusta coffee is kind of grown at a thousand feet or a thousand meters above sea level all the way down to sea level so those are the ones you see that come out of vietnam thailand you know there's still some a lot of uh, robusta that's grown in brazil uh colombia there's some robusta there and sprinkled all through latin america gotcha but what that coffee is is uh there the screen size is a lot larger screen size is the the actual size of the seed or the bean mm-hmm. um it's gonna be a lot larger it's gonna have a mustier flavor to it it's gonna have higher caffeine content though so when you see these coffees that say like three times the caffeine or like high voltage or like all these little like bam sayings to them yeah um those are predominantly Roboostic coffees and they're super cheap and you're probably paying a super high premium for those coffees and the companies that are selling them to you are making a lot of money.
0: Oh man, that's interesting. That is, see, and I would have, I would have never known that this is like, if you're watching this at all, you're just seeing me smile because this is so interesting to me. There's nuances within industries on how people like, like you said, like they're probably selling it and marketing as like highest caffeine content, you know? Well, they know that's
1: like, I mean, that's what, you know, a lot of these users want. They want right caffeine, right? They want this like, ah, uh, like, you know, uh, and so they're going to market that like three times the caffeine or whatever, which Robusta is going to have that as opposed to Rob coffee, but it's going to taste like garbage. Right. You know yeah. I mean? So that's like and most of these coffees that are Robusta. Right. And, and, you know, you know, three times the caffeine they're all roasted super dark right
0: okay yeah they're gonna
1: mask any flavor uh you know any flavor you know off-putting flavors things like that they're gonna try to mask it with smoke and the roast process mm-hmm. right so okay. yeah
0: gotcha yeah you don't buy so
1: any robusta i mean folgers is robusta so there you go
0: yeah yeah and i'm not you ban like you ban
1: that's all robusta that's why it's like <laughs> six dollars for two pounds you know right
0: okay Gotcha. Yeah, I would think that that's like that's your standard gas station coffee.
1: Yeah, or or gas station coffee would be, you know, if it does say 100% arabica, you know, it can be arabica coffee, but it can be commodity grade arabica coffee, right? So like Uh, super low grade, you know, doesn't pass the test to be specialty coffee. It's still arabica coffee, but it's sold at commodity prices. So like McDonald's when they had that whole like 100% arabica. That doesn't mean anything. That just means that they're buying cheap, you Absolutely. know, and I don't mean to bash another company, right? Just no, no, but
0: it's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, like if anyone thinks a McDonald's is buying the highest-end coffee and selling it for a buck, you're kidding me. <laughs> like- They can sell it to
1: you for a dollar with the lid, the cup,
0: the labor that goes into it
1: and still make money. Think about how cheap that coffee is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, exactly. Uh No, and I used to work, uh, I used to work, I used to sell a lot of LED lighting projects and LED lights. Uh-huh. And you want to talk about like nuances and product like, and right. how cheap I'm sure. things can get. Yeah. I mean, you go to a, you go to Home Depot or to Lowe's or whatever right now, and you look at the shelf, you're like, what the hell is the difference between all the LEDs? And uh, my job was to like kind of explain that to people and make sure that, you know, no name brand X that's selling their stuff for $5 a light bulb is Make sure the customer knows that, like, that's not even close to what this light bulb is at nine bucks, you know, or whatever. Right. Yeah, but they're both light bulbs, right? Right, and they're both LED. What's the difference? Right. So that's kind (laughs) of
1: what they're doing, right? Like, coffee is coffee, right? Yeah. I mean, you split it down, you
0: can start to see the differences in it. And even arabica, like, there's even within arabica, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, like you're saying. And there's a
1: higher grade, and there's a higher grade robusta. It's just never. I mean, it, it just can't
0: it's just not as good. No, no, that's interesting. That's super interesting. Okay. So then tell me, tell me how you came out with your three, your three um, with G4, Timberline and and Double Barrel. Like, tell me about those and-
1: Yeah, so the the G4, we'll start with that one. That one's a pulp natural, natural coffee. So the, the process of the beans that are in that blend are a natural process, meaning that the cherries are gonna come off the plants they're going to go on the patios and they're going to sun dry with the cherries still on the beans right coffee beans are actually seeds they're pits right and they're a pit of a cherry that comes okay. off the coffee plant so they're either red yellow like a yellow bourbon red bourbon Monde nouveau like all these different kind of varietals within that coffee plant uh, are going to have different colored uh cherries different colored fruit um yeah. So it's the pit and what they're doing is those cherries are going to come off the plant and they're going to go on the patio and they're going to dry until they're about 13% moisture. Uh, What's the cured point, right? It's cured. It can be bad. This,
0: is, a, this um, is amazing. You're, you're just, you've been doing this for so long. I have absolutely no idea about none of this stuff. And I'm finding this so fascinating right now. Yeah, Dude,
1: <laughs> this is the tip of the iceberg, man. <laughs> yeah. This is like uh yeah. coffee 101 stuff. Oh man,
0: keep going, keep going. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So, uh, the cherries come off the plants, they go on the patios, they go to dry in the sun. A lot of times it's called sun dried coffee. Um, and then from there, they go to the mill where they're whole husked uh, and then processed, right. They'll go through the mill. they'll go through the shakers. They'll get rid of any, uh, any foreign debris, uh, any, any sours, anything like that. We'll, we'll kind of, we'll kind of get sorted out if they have a magic eye machine, um you know as the the coffee pours through it 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 knows the shape and the color so as it comes down these little shoots if it sees one that's a different color than the rest it'll like spurt a little piece of like a little tuft of air and it'll kick those beans out it's kind of it's like in the blink of an Uh, eye too it's kind of crazy to see it happen uh, but so they'll get sorted out there uh so there's some natural coffees in it right some 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 naturals and then there's what's called a pulp natural. Now, a pulp natural means that they're going to take those coffees off and the cherries off the plants. They're going to send them to the mill, a wet mill, and they're going to push all those seeds out, push all the, the pits out, but they're not going to wash them. They're just going to put those out on the patio. So you're not drying them with the cherry on. You're just drying them with the cherry off. Yeah. Okay. So that's what's called a pulp natural. So that's, that's – uh, uh similar in, in in most of the process but you just don't have a cherry on it okay. so those two those two style coffees are in that blend that g4 blend so what that does is that gives that coffee a sweeter more fruit note to it right because you have more of those juices and more of the mm-hmm. essence of the the cherry right That's called mucilage the mucilage which was on that coffee that's still kind of there so you're going to get that fruit note that kind of fermented flavor to it
0: yeah
1: uh, which makes great it makes great espresso right that's my favorite kind of espresso is the one that's kind of heavy on those naturals um it's got great body it's great coffee all around if you're going to have one blend that you wanted to make espresso french press Chemex, aero press you know hario visa like all the pour overs anything you're going to do with it uh, cold brew that would be the one that one lends itself in all applications um so it's a very uh versatile blend. Um, it's probably my favorite because of that. The next is the Timberline blend. The Timberline blend is an all washed coffees, right? So it's, it has coffees that have been washed. So the the cherries come off the plants, they go to the mill, they get hold, right? They get uh, pulped. Um, and then they go into water, right? There are these big, long sort of water troughs, right? That carry Usually it's a stream that they've cemented in these little troughs. And they'll dump the coffee in uh, and, and wash it out. Uh, and what that does is it kind of gets rid of that fermented flavor to it, right? So you're not tasting some of those like heavy fruit notes. And you're tasting more of that subtle floral citrusy kind of flavor uh, that you get with a washed coffee. Okay. So that's a washed coffee blend. That one's, it's it's awesome for drip coffee, right? Awesome for, pour over. It's awesome for French press. You know, it's, it's just a great coffee for that sort of drip application. Because it's an all washed coffee, it's probably not going to shine too well as an espresso. It'll work and it's great as an espresso. It's not the best as an espresso, right? So I don't really try to tout it as an espresso blend. Uh, and that's the Timberline blend. And then the dip, uh, double barrel blend has a balance of washed and natural coffees, and it's actually roasted darker, right? Right. So yeah. we, we had customers, I want a dark roast, I want a dark roast. Um, when are you going to come out with one? And, you know, I, I originally never wanted to have a dark roast. We buy such expensive coffees, right, that there really is no point to buy such nice coffees if you're going to roast the crap out of them, right?
0: right because then like all that.
1: you're tasting
0: yeah. is the yeah.
1: smoke and the roast flavor. Yeah. You know, you're, you're tasting the process and not the coffee,
0: Right. Sure. so very leery of companies that only have these dark coffees right right um, that's how you said they they mask all that robusto
1: yeah they mask all the defects they mask all the funky flavors they mask all that okay. stuff like think it's about like very yeah. large like the largest coffee company there is right yeah do you see any light 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 roast come out of them no you only see dark roast right and it's not because they want it that way it's just they're you know they they need, you know, their, their demand is so much larger than what's out there. in a lot of these farms, they have to mix everything together. And the best way right. to mask all those different flavors is to ro- over roast it. Okay. But
0: yeah. So, so but anyway, it's kind anyways, of painstaking so the- for you to do a dark roast because you're like, ah, I'm buying all this nice coffee. I don't want to mask anything. Yeah. Well, what I did
1: is, <laughs> you know, like I kind of met it in the middle. So you have, uh, uh roast profiles or roast degrees called like city. Okay. Full city, city plus, city plus plus. And those are, those are kind of, and, and then you go to like French roast and, and those darker, that darker realm. So what I did is the double barrel is what's technically considered a city plus plus. So it's like right on the verge of like French roast, right? With, with a French roast, your coffee is going to be what we call sweaty, right? It's a sweaty coffee. It means the oils are on the outside. And those oils, okay. once they hit the outside, become rancid, right? So basically, you're getting shipped stale coffee. So that dark or that, that double barrel, we took to that right before that point to which, you know, you would hit that French roast. Uh, and then they exit the roaster and then they cool down. And, and, and that's kind of our dark roast. It's not going to be super dark, right? Because we don't want a super yeah. dark coffee. But we're kind of meeting in the middle on that on that dark coffee.
0: No, and so I have had... so. For everybody listening, I've I've not interviewing. We're not talking to Tony just because like I think Dark Timber is cool. I've been I've been wanting to buy it forever, and so I finally asked my wife. I was like, "Hey, hon, why don't you get me some of the?" I put it on my Christmas list. And she got me a bag of G four and, and double barrel, and I was like, "Holy cow, this stuff's pretty good." And I and I hate to, my neighbors sell coffee for a living, both of them work for really? companies that sell coffee yeah so they're and they're always like whenever you need coffee come get it and they do <laughs> like some of them one of them is like a really a, a higher-end coffee brand it's 100 organic and 100 like farmer whatever they call it source like fair trade yeah, that's what it is yeah so it's fair trade sourced and all that and there's like they're like 12 13 14 bucks a bag or whatever and it's good but i had I tried the G 4 first. I thought it was phenomenal. I really liked it. And then like the double, the double barrel, I didn't even really look at the labels or anything. Like I've taken a lot of supplements in my life. Mm. And so my taste buds kind of just like, don't care. I'm going to drink it anyway. Right. <laughs> but the G four was really good. And so I was just like, ah, right, let's try the double barrel. And I tried that. And it's, it's noticeably darker, but it's still not, it's not a nope. dark roast no yeah right. it's gonna
1: have you're gonna have that little bit of like roast flavor to it right where it's like kind of that smoke flavor to it not very much but you're still gonna taste the the like the the different flavor profile or different flavor characteristics of the coffees that are within that blend right yeah. so we're not completely masking over with smoke and with roast right. and with carbon so- right? You can still yeah. taste the complexity of the coffee and that's the goal, right? Like that's, that's, that's what I wanted. I didn't want to just have uh, burnt crap, dark roast <laughs> just because everybody wants it. Right. right. You got to kind of stick to your guns a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That mud water.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's funny because yeah. people think that the darker the coffee, the stronger it is. And really there's less caffeine in darker coffee, right? So if you want more caffeine, don't drink a dark coffee, you know, drink the lightest coffee you can.
0: So, you, so if you wanted the most caffeine, you drink like a light Robusto or something like that? Uh, if you that? wanted the
1: it's, most caffeine, you would drink like, hey, uh, you know, there's, um, you know, they're making green coffee extracts, which is like, you're starting with the most caffeine you could ever have within that coffee. Uh, if okay. you wanted to go to a roasted coffee, yeah, you would go a light roast um, Robusto if you were just looking at in terms of
0: caffeine content. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. No, so I, okay. So that was, yeah, and that was, I had tried the G4 and the double barrel and I ordered the Timberline recently. So I'm excited to get that. I don't know. Whenever it gets here in whatever, a few days, but. Did uh, you place an order? Yeah. 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 Cool. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'll uh, check yeah, on that. I got an email from you guys. It was like, yeah, we'll send it. I think I, it was right after I got off the phone with you last week on Thursday. Oh, cool. Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Thursday I'm out. something I like my that's last probably bus. on today's production. Okay. Yeah. And I'm yeah. watching I'm watching your so yeah, I, I ran out of my coffee this morning, just like I'm out. So oh no. All yeah, I know. So now I'm, that, as soon as I'm off. <laughs> right. Yeah. So now I'm and now I'm on the local grocery store, the Piggly Wiggly, the piggly oh, Wiggly no. special real quick. <laughs> oh seven, no. We don't seven, want seven, that. Not the same. No, and that's and that's one of the other things is like I've never been like some sort of, and I am not yet any coffee snob. I, I see myself like potentially making it there by default just because I drink enough and I try we'll to get you there. Yeah. <laughs> but like you go from, you go from, I I drink my neighbor's coffee. That's that organic fair trade. And then I swap to, um, I think the, I think I had some black rifle uh-huh. and then I had, then I had your guys's, the dark timber and now i'm at like my local grocery store special and I'm like ah, uh, this sucks <laughs> and i'm like <laughs> but it's still and, and i've and i'm like being a snob about it you know it's not yeah years, but it's right still, it, it's you gotta get the, the five
1: way. pound bag man you gotta get the big sucker now yeah
0: yeah i ordered i will yeah so i ordered a few um cool but yeah like i said i'll check on that
1: soon as we're done okay. i'm still at the
0: shop so yeah, yeah, I can see that. For oh, I was wondering if that was the background or not. No,
1: I, uh, you know, in our warehouse it gets kind of echoey. Uh, so this is our front retail area. So I just set up in the front retail gotcha. area. Gotcha. Cool. Appreciate it.
0: Um, So all right. So th- that's what we got. We got some badass shirts. Out of you guys, uh-huh. too. I like the grocery getter, which I don't have. This one, I it's really coming,
1: don't. man. It's coming.
0: <laughs> There's actually a lot more t shirts coming, too, which I'm super excited about. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. You got any more hats? Yeah, have ton of hats. hats coming. All right. Yep. Sweet. Yeah.
1: So these ones uh discontinued. Uh, okay. These ones aren't coming anymore. Uh, we got. Uh, these are only for OGs. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Only for OGs. Uh, we got like five new styles of hats. I want to say. Okay. Sweet. Yeah. When are those, like, if people are wanting to, if people go to place an order, like for me personally, like when I want to support a company, like when I buy like dark timber, um, I like to buy their product. And then if I like their product in my next order, I like to buy some, some swag, like a shirt. Yeah. Or hat or so
1: something. those are the, the t-shirts will be here first. So they're kind of this year we're doing something different and like normally i'm just like bam there's everything right <laughs> yeah. but now I'm, I'm trying to like focus quarter one quarter two quarter three quarter four right so we can kind of like keep things you know fresh and new and you know what i mean so some of that yeah. stuff is going to come out in a separate quarter man. later
0: no that, that yeah. makes sense like you want to keep it new right yeah but i would say the t-shirts will be here uh, in march
1: okay yeah So like just coming up. So like there will be a bunch of new styles of t-shirts, uh, on the website. Uh, and then the hats will probably show up after that.
0: Cool. ah, that's awesome. Um, all right. So is there anything else you want to tell people about your coffee besides buy it?
1: No, I mean, like I, I, there's nothing more I can really say about it, but you know, if, if you guys enjoy good coffee and, and, um, you know, a company that's going to support, uh, the things that you're, that you're passionate about. Um, and you kind of keep, you know, you keep your money within the circle, right? Yeah. Uh, You know, think of us, right. You don't have to buy from us, but just always think of us, you know?
0: Yeah, no, and that's, and we're not done with the podcast yet. I just wanted to make sure before we left this segment, sure, a different segment that we get all that in. And the other thing is, is your bags are, 12 bucks a bag which is on an expensive side but at the same time like you're putting out a really nice product yeah and some people might look at that in my my th- thought to those kinds of people who are like ah, i don't want to spend that much on a bag of coffee just try it once and yeah. then go back to your folders and be like shit yeah it's, you can't <laughs> like uh when you're looking at specialty coffee right and
1: trying to especially at the grocery store is the worst right because when you look at like say my brand or, or another one like mine is on the shelf at a grocery store it's gonna be dollars 13.99 for that 12 ounce bag right yeah and then next to it there's one for six bucks well tell yourself why is that coffee six bucks Right. I can't even, I, I, I mean, like I would go, I, I wouldn't even make anything if I tried to sell something at six bucks. Right. I mean, yeah. there's just no way I would lose quite a bit of money if I did that. Right. Because the coffees that we buy are so expensive and so nice. Right. If you look at a coffee that's six bucks, think in your head, well, there's still room for that grocery store to make money. Oh right? yeah. And you're selling direct. Yeah. And so how cheap is that coffee? Right. If you're just looking for coffee in the morning, you don't really care, then by all means, buy that. Right. But life's too short to drink crap coffee. And, (laughs) you know, if you want something that's nicer and that's actually worth it, yeah, always, you know, look at those coffee, the coffee companies that are roasting specialty
0: grade. Yeah. Right. Oh, and before, yeah, let's talk about the gravity packs because, like, people are gearing up right now and putting in all their points for out West and putting in their applications and everything. And one of the things that I, I've never, I haven't done it yet. Cause I just, I'll just drink mountain ops, uh, ignite in the mornings. Uh-huh. But this year, if I make it out West, I have possibly one hunt that I might go on. I want to try the gravity packs just sure. for fun. You know what yeah, I mean? Gravity so packs are
1: great. Like for that application, if you're going to go on a hunt, you know, backcountry or whatever. I mean, they're yeah. just, they're so much easier, cleaner. Can you know yeah, so basically, excuse me, basically the gravity pack is a filter pack that's pre-portioned, so our machinery makes it, fills the filter pack full of our coffee, seals it, and on both sides of the filter pack are these little hanging ears, we call them. They're little cardboard ears that hang over a cup, right? So you kind of pull yeah. them out over your cup, you'll tear that filter pack open, and then you're going to pour your water through just like a, uh, like a pour over coffee. Right. So instead of rehydrating, you know, coffee solubles like an instant, right, Um, or making a percolator or or like a regular brewing style French press, what have you, you can now make per cup, right, and it's super easy the the filters are fully biodegradable you can bury them just like toilet paper if you need to um you know you can if you want to take them out you can kick out all the grounds out of them roll them up into like a little tiny ball stuff them back in the 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 package they came in and there you go they weigh you know just a few ounces you know yeah you know not much you know a package of them
0: yeah all right. So I just wanted to, yeah. So those are out there too. So when you guys are, if anybody listening to this is planning an out West trip or whatever, and you want to grab some coffee, you know, in the, for in the mornings or midday or whatever, that's, that'd be an option as well for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Or you can
1: try our scent packs, which are a full immersion pack, or you can try the vapor pack, which is our instant line dump and stir. Uh, we have, a, we kind of cover all the bases in, the term, in terms of single serve backcountry coffee products. And, you know, that's kind of, you know, what we focused on in the beginning, because we're backcountry hunters. So we made everything that we like to do.
0: Yeah. And made it nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It made it Nice. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. So, so shifting, shifting gears from coffee to hunting, like, what are you, you're, you guys are in Montana. Now you live yep. in Montana. Yeah. I mean, are you, are you elk, muley? Are you looking at whitetails? I I'm, I'm, can't imagine you are. Is- oh yeah man
1: so there's giant white tails right where i live oh I uh, yeah that like is one so like,
0: that is one of the things that i struggle with a little bit is going out west for a white tail like i live in wisconsin i don't intend if i go out west like i want to elk or muley but i know like the giant river bottom white cells yeah. that at that height in montana and yeah, people we, don't we use
1: yeah
0: Italy. yeah
1: so uh like so my hunting season in 2021 consists of this so uh it starts in a month and a half i'll be hunting spring black bear
0: okay right right in montana
1: at, right in montana right outside my back door awesome and then literally and uh after that then i have antelope so i'll be chasing antelope in august so it goes okay. black bear antelope archery elk just for that first couple of days of the season and then i'm off to alaska up to the uh you know the arctic circle to do a caribou hunt
0: nice uh, and a and a moose hunt are you uh, doing these with a bow or a rifle or both or what both bow? Yeah. okay yeah. Uh,
1: black bear will be both okay uh, antelope is a bow and then uh caribou is a bow okay yeah right. and then my buddies uh the group of guys i'm going with have they drew a moose tag in that same brooks range oh, uh nice. and then a bison tag so we'll be hunting caribou bison and, and uh moose yeah you
0: need, need to get into shape pack all that out man oh man i'm already <laughs> mountain shape but uh
1: yeah i know right it's gonna be quite a bit uh but so after the caribou hunt, then I'll come back and finish out archery elk season. And then uh, after that, then I will go on a Rocky Mountain bighorn sheep hunt. No way. So really? on a sheep, yeah, almost sheep hunt. Nice. Uh, and then after that, then I'll, you know, I'll be trying to kill sheep and then mule deer. And then I have a ton of uh, what we call bee tags. So I'll be killing tons of whitetail does, you know, probably another four or five um so yeah it's a busy hunt season for me oh that's awesome dude so mm-hmm.
0: then does your elk season start right at the end of august or early september
1: first sat uh, first saturday in september so it's on the fourth this year
0: okay i think last
1: year it was on the third
0: so you gotta so i mean that's not that's not so i i was thinking like if your elk season was late august like i mean you're kind of getting into that rut time frame but yeah uh, you're sense. you know not really you might get some pre-rut stuff in August.
1: You're more—I mean, you, the odds of you killing a giant bull, yeah—are uh, are fairly decent in that late August uh, time frame, just because they're so bachelored up, they're so up high. Um, you know, you can still you can still find them, and they're not cowed up. Um, yeah. So, but from that point, then the, the rut will start to kick on. You know, our kill season usually is in that 13th to 25th range, right? That's kind of when we like to focus really hard on it. Still, last year, it went, you know, opening weekend, I was on four giant herd bulls and a bunch of satellite bulls, and I missed a big six point. I mean, it was crazy for opening day, like a 360 bull. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and you weren't you weren't able to seal it? No,
1: he just wouldn't come out of his cows. I mean, like, I mean, sure. he, if you came in there, if you were a bull and you went in there, um my phone's just blowing up sorry no it's it's cool i, uh, I understand you're popular yeah <laughs> if you're uh you know if you were a bull and you went in there yeah it, it'd be he'd probably you know he'd be coming out you and, and doing all that right. stuff but and that you know, was because really he was ever? yeah 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 and then uh yeah so it, it um uh, it was hot and heavy there pretty quick and then it shut off and then it was it was kind of a rough season after that, but uh, oh. I ended up shooting the bull. Yeah. You know, I mean, just a freezer filler, but.
0: Sure. No, that, so then in, in early, if anyone listening to this is thinking about going out West, I mean, most people, like you said, are looking at that September, you know, 13th to like the 30th essentially. Yeah. Right? If you
1: were going to like, if, if I live where you live, right. If uh, it didn't have elk and I was going to go somewhere for it. Uh, I would, I would go. The 13th through 25th. I mean, that would be my time frame to go. Okay. Um, you know, anything later than that, you're kind of getting to that waning rut. You might hit second estrus. Um, but that 13th to 25th, you know, usually it's plus or minus three days from the 20th is like the peak rut. Okay. Yeah.
0: Gotcha. That's what we like to go by. Okay. But
1: usually you can start that 13th to 25th. So anytime within that time frame.
0: Yeah. And then in that early season, it's is that more of just like knowing the area and kind of knowing where they're probably going to be? Because they're, yeah. yeah. Are you calling to them a ton or not? Oh, yeah. That's all we're doing. Even yeah. in like early September and getting them respond. Oh, yeah. To respond? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. We,
1: I mean, you might be able to sneak up on a bull or you might be bugling and you can sneak up on him. We, we do that quite a bit too. Like if he's just bugling, you know, then we'll try to get in tight to him. Uh, and not try to call at him at all um, but if he's um, you know cowed up or whatever then we'll try to we'll try to challenge him to come out we'll try to call his cows in get his cows over to us and then sure. you know try to work him over but uh but yeah we're we're, we're calling but yeah, sometimes it's, maybe yeah. it's just raking you know we don't call it all just rake you know we'll just rake trees and
0: that yeah works. that is so so i killed my first bull last year um uh-huh. exactly you kind of just described the exact scenario he was bugling on his own we got in there buddy mine raked some trees made some cow calls he came walking right in shot him at 25 mm-hmm. um is that what is what would you say like your favorite hunt is like is it elk hunting or are muley. muley
1: yeah Mueller are my favorite huh? okay. hands down
0: why is like and so you were saying that mule deer is kind of like on your later side
1: yeah i mean it just goes like when they rut right so i like to hunt elks when they rut i like to hunt mule deer when they rut so they're later on in the season they're like that november time frame you know
0: so so then what like how are you hunting them rifle rifle and spot and stock or what yep spot and stock rifle yeah yeah. sitting up glassing looking yeah we Mm -hmm. hunt the breaks
1: um so like eastern montana northeastern montana um you know it's just a lot of glass and i mean your eyes almost bleed you glass so much and hiking and sitting and hiking and glassing it's a lot of like hurry up and wait scenarios and then it gets <laughs> like crazy for about 3 minutes and then it's work after that you know but um sure. it's a lot of fun
0: yeah no that's awesome so what i mean why do you like that so much more
1: elk uh give themselves up right you, okay. can, you can get an elk to bugle, and are like, oh, there's one down there, right? And then you go up there, you go down there, and then you, you play the game, and you either win or lose. Mule deer are way slyer, right? And they're right. way, they just, they're not going to, they don't bugle, right? They don't right. make a noise besides, like, a <laughs> grunt or, a, yeah, or just, like, a, a wheeze or something, you know? Um, you know, so. so you got to find they're, them. They're, they're tougher, yeah. So you got to, like, actually figure them out right? Where an elk are just kind of oafy creatures that kind of like timber horses, you know, they're just kind of there. (laughs) Um, so they, I mean, elk excite me, you know, but not like mule deer. There's just a, there's a game, that game of hunting mule deer is what I really like. I like the country they live in. Right. I like that breaky, you know, just like kind of gnarly cliffy country. Um, you know, it's just, I I like, I I just like hunting that country better. You know, I just, something about a mule deer is just more regal to me, right? Like a big, gnarly mule deer, right? Because there's six points everywhere, right? Like, I mean, not everywhere, but like elk are, (laughs) like the configuration of an elk is very common, right? So same with a mule deer though, but a mule deer is going to have its own like width and, you know, like there's, when you see a nice mule deer, there's just something about it, right? Yeah. Uh, And that's what I like about it.
0: It's about, yeah especially when you plus camp. it's
1: cooler it's not 900 degrees out you know like <laughs> yeah it's like november so like you can wear puppies and stuff and like build yeah. fires. like better hunt.
0: are you going are you going like out back there and then are you camping out and staying out there doing everything off your back or are you guys doing yeah oh yeah. yeah that's the only way we hunt yeah okay we don't like um you know we don't glamp hunt like
1: clamping or whatever like out of a camper or, <laughs> you know what i mean like i'm fortunate yeah. to live where i live that i can like hunt elk out of my backyard basically like you know like last year you know i was on elk like literally five minutes from my house and big bulls but um you know predominantly we're going in like five eight miles and then right. once we're in eight miles then we're hunting around eight miles every day so we're okay. covering sure. tons sure. of ground sure. every single day. So we're, we're, you know, we're hunting eight miles in and then eight miles around every single day. Um, and then we'll hunt eight miles back out, sure. you know. So, sure. uh, but then, you know, we're blessed to have people locally that we know that have horses. So if we kill, you know, we'll send the SOS and they'll bring horses up and get it out of there. Uh, if not, just, then we're hiking it out. We're not afraid to hike them out, you know. Right. Like my bull this last year was nine miles one way and we didn't have horses for that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was two trips, nine miles. So what is that? 18, 36 miles to get that bull
0: out, man. Yeah. That's a haul, man.
1: (laughs) Yeah, It's a haul. That's for sure. Uh,
0: So um, would you have any advice? So one of my next hunts is now that I've killed an elk, the next thing I would like to do is spot and stalk muley. Um, I was thinking with my bow, but you're kind of making it sound hard, man. I mean, it's fun as heck to do with your bow and I've killed mule deer with my bow. Yeah.
1: Um, and if, you know, I'm not going to discourage anybody from doing it because bow hunting is awesome. And I love bow hunting. Um, I like to rifle mule deer hunt better. Um, if I was to come from a state that, you know, you couldn't hunt mule deer locally and I had to go out of state. To hunt mule deer, I probably wouldn't bring my bow right just because you probably wouldn't have enough time, right? Because mm. bow hunting mule deer is like it's not like Elper, you call them into you, right? You like figure out where they are, you call them in, you'll get a shot with your bow. It's spot in stock, man. And like you have to have numbers. Like, you're gonna fail probably 12 stocks before you can loose an arrow on it on a on a mule deer. And right. you know, that might not be true. Most of the cases, you might find one buck and he's looking uphill and you're coming from downhill and you shoot him right uh you know so there's always that um but But odds are looking at the odds like the spread i mean you're going to need so many encounters before you can actually arrow one and that takes a lot of time and if you have a lot of time and you can take two weeks off or whatever two and a half weeks then by all means try to get one with your bow but if you're short on time uh rifle is definitely more efficient got
0: it yeah that's uh that's gonna be something i'm gonna have to play with i'm i'm just doing points now for now i'm not going this i just had a i just had a a kid two day two weeks oh congratulations man yeah yeah first one second second i got a a two-year-old and now a two-week-old
1: nice man my daughter just turned she's turning
0: four in a few days oh that's awesome yeah that's when's her birthday
1: uh february oh
0: what'd i do february. i gotcha. yeah february yeah. 27th 27th okay my boy's the 25th and my daughter's the sixth
1: nice so. man my
0: niece is uh my niece and my daughter have the same birthday no <laughs> yeah makes it super easy <laughs> yeah i bet are they exact i mean same born same day or no no apart? they
1: just have the same birthday okay
0: she's uh 15 now
1: Oh, okay.
0: So way just, off. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I started. I started late. Yeah, nah, whatever, man. Whatever floats yeah. your boat, dude. Doing other things.
1: Um, that's right.
0: Well, cool. No, I mean, caribou hunt sounds awesome. All those hunts. I mean, it sounds like you have a hell of a trip. I the sheep, like Rocky yep. Mountain. I mean, that's gonna be a hell of a big trip horn
1: rifle. Uh, yeah, yeah, it'll be a rifle.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Wait, I was actually uh,
1: gifted. Yeah, I gift it was gifted a rifle from my dad. Where he was get, it was gifted to him from one of the like fathers of sheep conservation. Okay. Uh, and so I'm gonna use that old Weatherby Mark Five Seven millimeter Magnum on that hunt to try to like pay homage to yes. this man uh, who was basically the founder of sheep conservation
0: that's awesome dude that's really cool are you going with a guide or are you going on your own or
1: it'll be on my own yeah
0: yeah with a buddy yeah. or flat out on your own i got uh there's f- four of us going well okay nice you yeah. got extra eyes
1: <laughs> yeah we're gonna split up and look in a different canyon you know yeah, different yeah. drainages and things like that will you guys be scouting this spring then Scouting, yeah spring summer the whole the whole time i'm gonna be up there yeah
0: i bet yeah. that's a hell of a that's a hell of a hunt to get man so I'd be putting a mm-hmm. lot of time into that thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it sounds, it's a. I mean, they Are they rare hunts? I mean, I, in my understanding, they're a rare hunt. Uh, They can be. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. No, that's awesome, dude. All right. Well, anything anything else on your hunting agenda? Do you ever come out east? Have you ever pondered like, oh, man, it'd be nice to go shoot My family
1: dogs. farms uh 3,500 acres in Kansas. Oh, uh, nice. So they have like giant white tails and they have the whole thing on there and, you know, out in the alfalfa and all this stuff, the so soybeans and everything they grow. <laughs> um, so I've hunted that a little bit. Never for, you know, I've been down there while they're hunting uh, deer and, you know, we've always just hunted upland and stuff, but, you know, the farthest east that I've hunted would have to be Texas
0: and Alabama. Okay gotcha do you have any desire to like come to the midwest or the east to hunt or no
1: not really you know like where i live and just in the west there's so much game right so like i wouldn't leave the whitetails here to go hunt whitetails where you're at right because i have 170 inch whitetails like i can see almost from the shop you know (laughs) like it's crazy (laughs) so you got a nice location white tails are are great and i love white tails you know uh there's nothing cooler than a white tail in the rut like when they're just running around here just stupid as heck um but i love mule deer you know
0: yeah no that's and that's freaking cool dude i'm just i was kind of getting at like it's it's funny how like uh people from the midwest and the east kind of like uh put the west on a pedestal like this majesty of backcountry hunting and all this land and these elk that just roar and mule deer that are elusive as hell and we always want to go out west then you talk to people out west it's like why the fuck would i want to go out (laughs) east? yeah (laughs) it's kind of that thing you know I'm, i'm sure there's great deer and i'm sure there's great hunting to be had
1: and i know there is um and i think there's a you know the tradition of hunting there um you know, I think is held up a little higher there, you know, like that whole tradition of like deer camp and, yeah. you know, kind of all that stuff, like is very big over there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, here it's, yeah, like it's more backcountry on and you got giant mountain ranges. You have tons of places to explore. Um, you know what I mean? You don't have to sit in a tree all day, you know, <laughs> you can like move right. around. And, you know, yeah. Here, hunting doesn't end after three hours, you know
0: yep oh yeah no i there is there is something to be said about like you know going out west in mm-hmm. september and hiking and backcountry and doing the whole nine yards and then coming back and sitting in a tree stand and going what the hell am i doing right and i've, like, I've hunted tree
1: stands you know and it's yeah. fun
0: if there's a lot going
1: on right you know what i mean if but if there isn't going just on. like sitting <laughs> there like thank god for like you know apps on your phone you know
0: yeah yeah exactly all right man well we're over an hour for sure um i really That's- enjoyed this podcast really appreciate yeah, it yeah man. man it was fun um Anytime. yeah so dark timber anyone looking it's just, is it just darktimbercoffee.com or what is it
1: darktimbercoffee.com yeah okay
0: yep and find you can find them on instagram on facebook on all that stuff and go check them out support support them, support 2% for, for conservation and support. Yeah. uh, And I, and I really like the fact that it's like coffee's like something that's not hunting specific. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not like a camo or or a gun or a bow or something like that. It's something that anybody can have. Like you can, you can give a bag of dark timber coffee to someone who's a non hunter and they're going to be like, this is cool and now they're supporting hunting cuz they might yeah. then buy from you too and they don't even know it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Bridges the gaps and there's tons yeah. of applications and tons of different people can buy it. Yeah, you know, it's not sure. like uh yeah, like hunting gear where you're like specific to to using it. Right. in outdoors.
0: Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, appreciate it man. Stick around All here right. for a second. I'm going to end the recording though. All right. Catch you guys later.